Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dark Rhino Security, Security Confidential. Today, we are honored to have David Meese join us. David is a SOC analyst. He's a cyber mentor, an educator, and founder and creator of CyberTech Dave. He holds a master's degree in information systems and has a wider range of skills, ranging from teaching to virus removal and everything in between. He's he's a really solid person with a lot of experience in cybersecurity. He is passionate about cybersecurity and and enjoys using his platform to teach people how to protect themselves and stay safe online. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you for having me. It's great to get a real practitioner on um, and talk about a few things. Now, you're a real passionate guy. I, we know that. And there was a topic that you had brought up and that I, I think it would be great to kick this off with is how to use LinkedIn to break into cybersecurity. Now, that's something that's that you don't hear all the time. Uh, Give yeah. us some guidance here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I did, I suggest people like uh, what I did and like I would get on LinkedIn probably like 15 minutes at a time, uh, okay. maybe like three, three times a day, let's say, just get on and like comment on other people's posts, you know, provide value, feedback. Um then I would also post, you know, in the beginning, I was just posting like maybe like once every week because, of course, like like everyone, you know, like starting out, you know, you're you're afraid to uh, afraid to post. But once once you realize it's not it's not that bad, you know, a lot of people get uh, imposter syndrome and they're afraid, <laughs> you know, to post because right. they're afraid what people might think or, you know, like like what level you're at, for instance, uh, even if you post, I tell people, uh, uh, even if you post about like fundamentals, you know, like, uh, a plus net plus security plus stuff, as long as you're teaching someone, you know, it doesn't matter what level you're at. And, uh, so I, I, I realized that, you know, pretty early on. So, I started posting, I got up to like three times per week. Uh, the main thing I believe is just staying consistent. And was that an optimal number, by the way? Just out of curiosity, is three times like the magic number or twice or what's your? Um, I would say between three to five times. Uh, there's really no like hard facts, you know, of course. But I would say I'm up to like five times a day I post, or I mean, I'm sorry, uh, per week. It's and like, man, uh, you're a busy guy. <laughs> but I, I can tell you this. Um, if you post, uh, I'm in Eastern Eastern time. So like 10 o'clock of the morning between 10 and 11 is that sweet spot because, you know, you get your content out there. It hits the algorithm more and you get more, more people, you know, get it in front of more people that way. Uh, so you always, always want to post, uh, I'd say between 10 and 11 o'clock. Of course, that's Eastern for me. And um, I would say my best days would be to post would be uh, like, for me, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I've had the most success on, on posting. Uh, I would like to let people know that too. 
And um, as far as like targeting a role, like if you're trying yeah. to get into position, I know you had mentioned like talk about LinkedIn, like leveraging, yeah, leveraging LinkedIn to find a job. Uh, what I what I did, I picked like let's say you you'd want to pick like three to five companies that you want to work for, and then you would target you know target those companies and just focus. And uh, like me, you know, I was wanting to become a SOC analyst. So what I did was I reached out to as many people, as many SOC analysts and, uh, you know, blue teamers as I could. That way I could, you know, reach out and say, could I get like a 15 minute uh, coffee chat with you, you know, to maybe talk about talk about your role uh, You'd be surprised, you know, how many people that's willing to help help you. Uh, and I and I I would I just tell people don't be afraid, you know, to reach out to people because you know at best the worst they can say is no or just don't don't respond at all. And uh, and then like if you say if you was wanting to become a uh, pen tester, penetration tester, you know, you'd want to yep. reach out to uh, pen testers. Uh, people on the red team uh, maybe ask like what their day-to-day task uh, maybe ask what their interview process was Um, I would also reach out on LinkedIn to uh, recruiters Uh, recruiters uh, I would reach out to hiring managers uh, you know find out decision makers uh, in the company like really get to know people and uh you know, get to know what the role is about and just put your put your name out there and just keep net networking. And so when you did this, how was the response? So as an example, if you contacted 10 people, did three respond or eight respond or what was what? Did I would say like? I would say at least uh, like between like between two to four, I would say. Wow, that's a really good response two. rate. Yeah, yeah, it actually actually is. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you, you know, of course, you know, send a genuine note too. Whenever you connect with someone, you know, you, instead of just hitting the connect button, I recommend you know tell them a little bit. You know, actually dig into their profile and see what they're about, and you know, maybe watch some of their content videos, and you know, say something that you liked about their content, for instance, or like something you know in common with the other person. And uh, yeah, you'd be surprised how many people will uh, you know reach out to you and. Uh, but you just gotta the, the you just gotta stay at it. How do you fight the uh, the fake IDs on LinkedIn, right? Because there's a lot of that going on where people have created imposter profiles, and I guess the question is, how do I know I'm talking to a real person here and not a bot or some fake? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I really like to, you just have to be extremely careful, you know, and like a lot of times I reach out, if I'm unsure about someone's profile, I'll like reach out to like 
a bunch of other people, you know, in my network and I'll say, are you familiar with this person or does this person exist or something like that? And, and most of the time I'll get, yeah, yeah, we know, we know this person, you know, <laughs> well, that, that's a good way uh, to know. And I think another thing is, uh, uh, David, I don't know if you've run into this, but I've seen it a couple times where people have reached out to me. And then when I go to their profile, it really isn't meaningfully populated. Like there's nothing in it. It's, it just says John Doe, you know, caregiver or something like that. And, and you don't know, like, okay, so this doesn't tell me anything. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. Right. So, so when you were when you were starting your search, did you have a very complete profile up there? Yeah, once I really started networking, I I did have in the beginning I didn't, uh, and then I realized pretty quick that I needed to fill like everything out <laughs> and have like a five star or ten star, whatever you want to say, call it yeah. profile because. The more like keywords you can put in your profile, the more too that like recruiters, uh, things like that. That's they're going to hit, you know, in the pick it up in the system, and you'll get more more profile views, things like that too. And uh, something else I've learned too is like if you live in a smaller city, you know, like where you put your name of your town, city, where yeah. your location, you. To get more profile uh, views, you know, you would want to say, like, you would want to list like a bigger city, you know, like say for Chicago, for example. Yeah. You wouldn't want to put like a small town because no one, you know, you wouldn't no get one knows as many. What that is. As much traffic that way. You've really uh, dove under the covers on the LinkedIn algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh and, and there you know i say that a little bit uh, tongue-in-cheek but there's a reality that you are marketing to an algorithm if you want to get the number of views way up. yes something and, else uh i'm sorry talking about no, algorithms please. um you, you never want to like once you once you post they call it like the golden hour or hour and a half you never want to leave your post you want to comment for at least the first hour because that gives you more because the more comments that you have and the more likes you get the more that because that only when you when you post it only gives like a one to two percent of people actually sees it in your network, but the more people comments, you know, it'll start like it within the first hour. That is, since they call it like the golden hour, because uh, that'll like expand it out to even more more people. So you really want to focus, like you don't want to like let's say comment and then go to lunch or like go do something else. You know, you want to just like try to stay there with it the best you can, unless you get, you know, get back to work or what, whatever. But, but that's another tip. Uh, something else you never want to do is you don't want to like edit, edit your post like right away within the, like if you misspell something, uh, 
misword oh, something, you'd want to wait. I've done that a few times. Whoops. <laughs> wait just a uh, wait just a few minutes before you edit it. Because if you do it within the like first fifteen minutes, it kills it kills the uh, algorithm. So, oh wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. What? You keep going. There's is there any anything else there? This is uh, fascinating. Yeah, something else um, too. You never want to comment. Like let's say um, let's say if you want to showcase someone else's work and you put a link i know i know sometimes i put links inside of my post yeah but actually uh, a lot of times if you put a link inside of your post it'll kill the algorithm too you want to say like my link is included in comments below and then wait a few minutes and then post your link you know in the comments because that also like slows the algorithm down too. So that's uh, that's very interesting. That's good good information. And anyone looking to break into cyber, if I was to summarize, reach out to the positions that you're looking for. Ask them about their roles, right, and what they're doing, and what their interview process was like. Post. Post regularly, post uh, between 10 and 11, maybe three times a week, Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Go ahead and don't edit your post immediately and uh, try and get the comments up in the first hour of posting to get noticed. That's what I've learned from my experience. Fantastic. Now, let me ask you something. When you started uh, out, what did you find as certifications that were useful in your journey to becoming a SOC analyst? I would highly, and personally, I went for the Security Plus CompTIA. Right away. Right away. I, I, I just went like right away to Security Plus, which I studied networking too. And then I have a help desk uh, system administration background. So I've done, you know, a little bit of networking anyway. So I kind of skipped the net plus and I just went straight to security plus. Um, actually, you know, of course, like the first time I, uh, I actually failed the exam, you know, the first time, but I just kept studying, studying, went back and uh, passed it. But but that would be who what I would recommend is Security Plus. Uh, I I had very good luck with it. Uh, <laughs> Ian Neal he has a Security Plus book that he has written from uh, oh. he's from uh, Pack the publisher Packet. Okay, excellent. And Security six hundred one. His name is Ian Neal. The book is like fantastic. That's what, uh, you know, just personally what I use. And he has a free free website. I wish I had the uh, the link. You know, we could put it up. But I'm sure I'm sure if someone types in Ian Neal Security Plus, we'll put it in the show notes. Yes, yes, we'll we'll definitely. It's like completely free. He has like 
all kinds of labs you can do, like hands-on labs, uh, flashcards, uh, all kinds of Security Plus questions. It's just, it's just really nice the way he's got it set up. So, you know, because I, I was going to ask you how you do this on a budget. Because one of the things I've seen, there's a lot of schools and things that are open. They're not cheap to learn this. And not everyone has the money to go forward with those things. Right. Definitely. And I, I highly, I recommend people like that, that don't have, you know, much money. Of course, you know, like me, you know, starting out, I, I didn't have very much. Uh, I even watched like Professor, you're probably familiar with Professor Messer, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He has some, uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. Really good stuff. And it's all free, you know, unless you buy his like practice exams. And, and I actually bought one of his practice exams and it really helped me, you know, prepare me for the test. And it was only like, I think, 15 or $20. I think he was oh. running some kind of sale or special. So very affordable. So very, very affordable. Uh, that's, you know, he was talking about people that can't afford and then uh just like any kind of free resource i i recommend uh which i'm not i'm not affiliated with like try hack me or or let's defend but but for for, for red teaming i would say do the free rooms on try hack me that's what i recommend people starting out and then the free free rooms on uh let's De let's defend platform i don't know it's a very good. Uh, let's say we got uh, Range Force. Range Force is good. They have a lot of good free free stuff. So, and you know that those are great resources, and uh, we'll try to get them into the show notes because that that is, you know, there's this uh, perception that in some cases you have to go through like a collegiate program or you know, you have to go through this formal training process and that can be daunting depending upon where you're at in life. Right. And, right. and, and what you're describing are resources that are available out there that, that people can get their hands on. And I hope our listeners take a, a heed and, you know, rewind that part and listen to what David said there and check out some of these free resources. And and you're and you you're saying this from personal experience on what you have seen, right? And uh, there's just so much. I was going to ask um, you, and it actually circles back to LinkedIn. Even um, your hashtag Cyber Tech Dave, 100 days of Cyber Challenge. That's a heck of a hashtag. Um, <laughs> it, but, it is. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I two questions there. One. Um, do you have some advice on how to use hashtags? And second, on what is your 100 days of cyber challenge? I'm very curious about that. Oh, yeah. About uh, about 10 months ago, I decided that I wanted to make some kind of challenge, you know, for the community to come together, like some type of community challenge. And I've seen a lot of like cybersecurity challenges out there. And uh, yeah. I just wanted to kind of make my own, you know, put my own spin on it because I call myself Cyber Tech Dave. 
And uh, I was just like, well, they, cyber tech, they 100 days of cyber challenge. I know that's a, a, a long hashtag because they recommend, you know, people keeping it short. But I thought, you know, that cyber tech day would maybe help on my maybe like personal branding too, you know. I, but the main thing, the, not not branding, I'll set that aside. But the main, the main reason I made it is to help people. I, I wanted to yeah. see, and I'm a, there's so many people that's reached out to me and, and thanked me for the challenge. Uh, and, and they said it's really helped them stay consistent in their studies. That's what I hear. That's what I hear the most, you know, people that's trying to break in and then them like getting on LinkedIn. Uh, the challenge, I just kept it, you know, pretty simple. I just said, basically step one just post on linkedin every single day for 100 days step two i was like no matter what level you are whether you're a beginner more seasoned professional you know you can write about anything whether that be like uh what you're working on maybe labs labs you're working on uh what you're learning about like in school, uh, maybe like what you're uh, document, documenting uh, for documentation, let's say Security Plus, for instance, I had uh, whenever I was doing the like every day, I would like document my journey. Uh, and that's and it's been really fun, you know, watching watching everybody's journey because you can like click on the, the hashtag or my 100 day hashtag tag and you'll see there's like uh 1500 like followers already and all kinds of people you know doing the challenge and it's and it's a lot of fun to go back and read everything because you know it's you're not only helping them but you're helping the entire entire community and then you can like go back and learn stuff that you that you might not know. So um, I've had a lot of fun, you know, with it. And I usually I usually post like once a week. I do that typically on uh, Saturday or Sunday. I'll throw like a my Cyber Tech Dave post. I'll be like, hey, for everyone in the network that that don't know about my post, come and join my challenge. And then I'll tell you know. A little bit about it and uh maybe point them in the right direction that's that's so cool so and i take it then when people are first of all it takes a lot of discipline to post every day for a hundred days right i mean yes it, yeah. it, you <laughs> yeah you have to put some thought into it but it also then creates a little bit of a structure to your day if you're participating in it saying hey you know i'm gonna do this but I gotta believe uh, I haven't gone and checked it out. Now I'm I'm going to. I gotta believe there's a lot of comments that people probably are leaving up there. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of stuff, and I've had some reviews. Actually, people has written me a few reviews uh, on my page. If anyone would like to come and check it out and look at it, you know, it's completely completely free, you know, to the community. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Is there is there um, a set of topics that you've seen that are written about more often than others on up there? Um, that's a great question. I would say 
probably more red teaming because just you know people find red teaming more more sexy i guess you could say yeah and that's right there's a romance to it people romance like it. to, to uh, <laughs> pen testing but you know the uh defensive defenders don't get as much much love but i personally i i love the defensive side um as far as like the technical things you know and and defending people that's that's what i love the most instead of trying to break into systems which it's it's good to know you know to, to learn a little bit of the red side too that way you kind of know what you're what you're up against so it's good to study you know both both sides as a practitioner you know what that's uh that's very true and I, cause I, that was a question I had for you was like, how should people cross train? And that's something that in cybersecurity, I think it's really important. If you're going to, if you're really going to excel, you do have to have some insight about all these other disciplines. It's not just one discipline. Right. Exactly. Yes. Um, so they, but- they should, like you're suggesting, I, I think it's a fantastic idea to have SOC analysts go on the red team. I also think that should reverse roles there a little bit. Let those oh. guys try and defend. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've had like red teamers reach out to me and say that they've, they've not done like any, any like sock analyst type stuff. So like in my current company now, I'm actually trying to, uh, whenever we get a chance, you know, everyone stays so, so, so busy and things, but, I'm trying to like get a chance to maybe shadow shadow some of the red team inside of ideal, you know, whenever we, when time, time allows that is yeah. that way I can actually see everything, you know, in more, you know, action in action and uh, talk to them and see exactly what I'm defending. So, yeah, that is, um, I think, I think in some aspects, defending is a much more difficult exercise because you don't know what the other guy is thinking. (laughs) Right. You know, one other topic that you brought up was you're writing a book about (laughs) women in cybersecurity, right? To encourage more women in cybersecurity. How did that start off? Like, and what is the title? Is it out yet or... The title it's it's actually not out yet. We've been talking to some you know publishing companies things. I can't really say of course a whole lot about that right now because I'm not sure on the title. But my ideal came. I've always wanted to give like a scholarship to uh, women in cybersecurity for a long time now and. And I was thinking about different ways, like how could I make that happen? And uh, I come up with the idea. I was like, well, why why couldn't we have like a lot of women and male allies in the community come together, maybe write a few paragraphs on like how they broke into cybersecurity and maybe give some tips like, uh, let's say how like questions like how women uh, struggle in the industry and you know questions geared toward toward the industry of women and cyber and i've had a lot of responses so far we, we've actually got uh 
I can I can say this. We have we have like over over twenty something people that's already turned in their submitted their papers and things, but we're gonna have to like go back and edit it and then sure. we're gonna add some more stuff to give it some more some more flavor, you know, we're gonna add some add all kinds of good uh good stuff to the to the book. But mostly the book is the main reason I'm writing it is to encourage more people to get in, uh, more, more women to get into IT and cyber. And my uh, co-writer, uh, Megan Jasko, I don't know if okay. you know Megan. I don't know her. But anyway, she's uh, my co-writer, Megan. So if anyone has, you know, any questions about the book or um or if, and we're still looking for people too that's actually and, and they don't have to be seasoned professionals it can be like from a student's we're looking at people like from a student's perspective like what all like things that they've done so far to help them you know get to where they're at to try to break into cyber and for the more seasoned professionals we ask the question like what all kinds of transferable skills do you have or what all kinds of transferable skills have you gained like throughout your career, like in the customer service, let's say we've had some very interesting people coming from like healthcare, uh, like nurse, uh, nurses, for example, we have a nurse, uh, that's, she became a SOC analyst and, uh, she was talking about like, everything that transitions, you know, to like all the different types of assessments, assessments that they do, uh, let's say stress levels, things like that. It's very, well, very love interesting. I to ask her why she did that, but. <laughs> <laughs> but very, very interesting uh, topics. We have some really, really cool stuff going on right now. Um, uh, you know, this is a, it's a profession that for the longest time has had a skewed balance between supply and demand uh, of talented people. So it's ripe for having all kinds of diversity for, for women, minorities, everyone to be a part of it. And, you know, it's a, it's a great career um, that, that pays well. So uh, I hope uh, you your work uh, encourages more and more people to come in. That would be fantastic. Uh, I pre appreciate that. And, and too, like on the, as far as the book, uh, like all of the money, we're going to do like a hundred percent. We're, we're actually talking to women in cybersecurity foundation and, and they're going to set up a scholarship oh, for fantastic. women. So once we get it complete and then published, all of that, then all the money will, will go like specifically to scholarships only. So, so we're, we're very excited about that. So <laughs> that's great. That's a fantastic idea. Hmm. You know, the, that's a, that's a great idea that you're going to take the profits and you're going to make them available to a scholarship and that will definitely help people out. You know, and then we can have like, uh, and then we can have books and like conferences, you know, things like that too. Oh yeah. You, you, so it's just, 
the the possibilities you know are in, endless and i hope it i hope it reaches as many people as, as we can well, with it so uh given the uh focus you've shown in your all, all your efforts i i'm sure it will <laughs> i'm sure it will and, and speaking of focus i i want to transition a little bit to mm-hmm. work as a sock analyst and and we know sock fatigue is a real thing. <laughs> Talk to us about that. How what first of all for our audience that doesn't know what is it? And the second thing is how do you deal with this thing? All right. Well, first of all, uh what I, I feel like it is sock fatigue is the amount of alerts, like alert fatigue that you get because it's like you might have like 500 alerts in one day, you know, just like you're constantly like yeah. scanning files, uh, URLs, uh, you know, different things like from thread actors, just suspicious files, uh, processes. It's just like a everyday, like constant eyes on glass. Like, but, but I tell people like, what I do to try to break up some of that feeling, you know, is I, I try to exercise when I can. I tell people to stretch, um, exercise. That's something good to help with uh, fatigue. Uh, something else I would recommend uh, is asking your manager if you can do other other tasks. Let's say maybe like try to switch it up instead of doing like just alerts like all day, you know, maybe, maybe ask if you could, uh, spend some time, maybe looking up, uh, threat, threat intelligence, uh, writing, uh, documentation and confluence, something like that, you know, just something to kind of break, break it up a little bit. But, uh, I would, uh, that's kind of way I, and, and about the, for me, probably about the fifth or sixth month mark I started hitting that I started getting that fatigue you know so so now I'm just trying to focus on I'm trying to change directions and try to focus try to look at look at it different if that makes sense and instead of just saying yeah this is the same alert you know coming in over (laughs) and over every day you know I try to maybe like dig in, dig in a little bit more to learn, you know, more about the, you know, doing like threat intelligence, things like that. Cause, well, that's always been a passion of mine. That's something I would want to do in the future is like transition transition to, you know, intelligence because I love, I love tracking like information, threat, threat actors. So, and trying That's to like a, put the puzzle, you know, the pieces together, like trying to figure out. It's kind of like the old saying, you know, like playing playing chess. You know, you're trying to think about what move that they're going to make next. So, so cybersecurity have, is like that when you think about it. It's a fascinating field. We've had a couple guests on that have talked about it. Check out some of their uh, episodes. But we had one gentleman that's actually diligently work to infiltrate 
with human intelligence the networks of these bad actors and pull together the threat intel puzzle and that's fascinating i mean that's real spycraft stuff you know oh cool. yeah yeah that is <laughs> uh, and he talked to us like i i don't know how he actually does it uh, and i'm sure he's not divulging sources and methods but right. uh <laughs> that that would be a fascinating thing but in regards to sock fatigue, what do you think automation, what kind of role does automation have in helping to reduce it? I feel like automation really helps, uh, which some of my engineers, you know, on the team, you know, they do a lot of the automation. Um, I do feel like it's actually helped a lot because automation you know the ai from it it picks up like the low the low hanging fruit i guess you could say and you don't have to you don't have to worry about that you know it gives you more time to focus on other other job or tasks that you have throughout the throughout the day so yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of automation i just i wished i knew personally more you know scripting python than what i do but uh but of course, what I'm doing, you know, just I'm mostly just like triaging, like going through alerts and, you know, figuring out if like what level of severity doing threat, like running threat intelligence against each file. So so that's basically what I'm I'm doing like all day. Uh, but, so, yeah, I love the uh, automation side, too. Do you based on what you're seeing in the industry, do you see a time when automation could perhaps replace a SOC analyst completely? Oh, that's a great question. Personally, I don't believe that we'll ever be able to replace humans, you know, completely like a SOC because some of the things that's more more in depth, you know, you pretty much like have to see and you have to reach out to the customer and say like, hey, was this something that happened in your network? Or you, you see what I'm see what yeah. I'm saying? There's there's a times that you have to like call out to to the customers, and then they have to work. You know, you have to work with let's say the networking team or or their SOC team whatever it may be. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it would completely replace it. No. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I think that human interaction side, who knows? I mean, you look at chat GPT and look at where it's gone. A um, hundred years from now, maybe things will be different, but that's a very interesting perspective. And I, in the current state of affairs, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, that's certainly the case. Okay. I, let me ask you in terms what you've, you've worked with so many clients in your, and from what you have seen, what are your, some ideas or things that can be done for, or from a client perspective to improve their cybersecurity programs? Where do you see a lot of gaps that clients have that they make or, uh, that they really need to up their games on in, in their company? Um, from a client's perspective, I would say probably the number one gap would be 
that they're not doing enough like risk assessment because because I think you know risk assessment is key to having a a, a strong cybersecurity program because that's like one of the first things you do you know. And now you just opened up a big rabbit's hole. So what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what defi- tell us about a risk assessment. I, I agree with you, but I, I, it's fascinating that you would go there and you're, you're dead nuts on with this. Yeah, um, I'm going that direction with it because when I say risk assessments for folks that, that may not know, it's basically, it tells you, let's say, for instance, uh, you reach out to, let's say if it's a healthcare sector, and you do a, you know, of course you have to be HIPAA compliant, right? You know, you would you would do a risk assessment, and then it would tell you what you need, you know, to be compliant. But but uh, as far as like on the technical side of risk assessments, I would say like, you know, it would tell you exactly like what vulnerabilities, you know, that you're going to need to prioritize, like what what assets, you know, that, that you have in your company. That's a, that's a big thing because if you don't know exactly what assets you have in the company, you know, I always tell people, how are you supposed to protect, you know, what you can't see. That's pretty basic. And you're absolutely right. And, and you ask, a, and it's unfortunate. I don't think a lot of thought a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, a lot of thought is not put into that. You know, what are we defending? Right. See, a lot of people, they don't, they don't think about the, that's why I always go back to, uh, I'm kind of like uh, Kevin at KevTech. I, I kind of always go back to the uh, fundamentals because, you know, that's, that's where it's at when you, when you actually think about it, because it's like building a house. You know, you you can't build a house, a strong house, and protect. You know, if if you if you don't know the fundamentals, like how to how to build the foundation strong. Uh, I'm just using kind of like that as an no, example. No, that, that, that that's right. Now, risk assessments. Who should be leading that? Is that a cybersecurity role, or is that more of a business function? In your view. Um, in my view, a lot of it's just like IT risk, like a more of a business type, you know, fun- function. But I would say some of it, you know, of course, it does have that security aspect too. So <laughs> it's kind of like a fine line, you know, between the IT business cyber security because it's it's just uh, a little bit, you know, like you said, you know, it's different. You know, uh, are you familiar with the OWASP threat and safety matrix? Um, some, some of it, the OWASP, uh, yeah, it's something that <clears throat> I don't use as much as, you know, using the, like, vulnerability assessments but yes i i know i know what yeah you, what you know you... the reason i bring it up david is that it's um it's it's pretty straightforward and for those 
folks who are listening and want to look at a risk assessment, if you don't have anything and you're looking for some kind of a beginning point, it's a great place to start. Right. And, and, and it's free. You can go get it. You can go download it and you can uh, look at it and you can use that as a basis to at least start off on your journey of assessing the risk. Right. So, and then I recommend uh, uh, NIST too is really, you know, really good uh, to set controls and things and your com compliance. Yeah. And uh, NIST has so many different levels. You know, they have it for, you know, the, your basic cyber hygiene for a smaller enterprise and then, you know, controls for a much larger operation. Um I think sometimes people get intimidated when they go to the NIST website because they th there's a lot of stuff there, and unless you're a practitioner and you know what you're looking for, it can right. be over. It can be overwhelming. It's like, oh my god, what is all this stuff? You know? <laughs> and they keep and they keep changing the uh, website too, so it doesn't help any. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, they're, they're NIST. so well, NIST is involved with so many things, and, and yeah, you're right that the, the site changes, and I don't see that stopping anytime. <laughs> in the near future. So, uh, David, we're, we're already pretty much at the hour. I wanted to give you a couple minutes to have the floor and talk about anything you wanted to talk about and, uh, anything you want our listeners to be aware of, uh, upcoming events, things you're getting involved with, things to look out, whatever your heart desires, please. It's your floor. Oh yeah. Well, mostly I've just been, uh, like we said, I've been just working on the book, you know, um, I'm not sure how long that's going to take, but we're still still needing we're still needing people. So if anyone's interested, they can uh, contact me uh, or Megan Jackquote. Um, I made a post about it on my page as well. I'll be making a post uh, if anyone wants to come and check it out. Uh, just contact me on that, and then. Uh, <clears throat> Of course, I've been just working, you know, working on my cybersecurity challenge. Uh, just I've been talking about it each week. Uh, encourage everyone, you know, to come and check it out. Uh, that's been keeping, you know, just the just the book. Um, well, there is something there is something else that people can watch out. I'm actually working on a second second book, so we're working on two two books at one time. <laughs> <laughs> so so one of the the other book it's going to be like uh, about cybersecurity awareness, like how to protect your uh, yourself from uh, maybe how to protect your family, your your kids, you know from uh, cyber criminals, th things like that. So I, um, <clears throat> so me and uh, Ga Gabriel, uh, Gabriel B, uh, we're going to be working on it. Uh, Joaz Santos is going to play a part in it. So, so that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when it's out, let us know, and we'll we'll be happy to post about it. Yeah, I pre pre appreciate appreciate that. That uh, that's fantastic. So you you're really uh, I don't know how you find the time to do all this stuff. 
that's mm-hmm. just incredible that keeping uh, working full time and then uh, also being involved with so many other projects. That's uh, do you sleep? <laughs> yeah, well, I drink a lot of coffee too, so uh, I, I pretty much swim swim in coffee. So <laughs> that's the secret. Yeah, that's, that's the, the secret. that's the secret. Having an entire pot each each morning. <laughs> but, but no, I do a lot of it. I like since I work remote too. I I work throughout the day, and or or I like take my lunch throughout, and then like during my lunch, I like work on stuff. You know, since I'm already here at home and I don't have to travel. Uh, previously, where I used to work, I, I would travel like 50 miles there, 50 miles back. So that was like taking a lot of my time. So um, I get up, I usually get up about four, four o'clock every morning. So, so that gives me, you know, more time to get some stuff done. So fantastic. Well, I, hey, David, it's been a pleasure to have you here. And, uh, Thanks for being on the show. And, you know, anytime you want to come back, you're welcome back. Let us know. Oh, yeah. It's been an honor having, you know, you having me on the show. We, we appreciate you. Glad to, you know, thank you for reaching out.